everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lay Down Podcast, where we just take everything and we lay it down at his feet. I'm your host, Susanna, and happy Friday, first and foremost. I hope you guys had a great week. If you're listening to this on a Friday, happy Friday. If you're listening to this on a different day of the week, happy whatever day it is for you guys. Um, I hope your week has gone well. I hope the rest of your week goes well too. And I just hope that God has blessed your week and that you haven't had to deal with anything bad because that would suck. (laughs) My week has been honestly decent so far. I'd say decent because I'm back to work now. Um, If you're watching online, I probably look a little bit disheveled because I just got off a night shift um, a few hours ago and I haven't slept. I just, I can't sleep when I get home from night shifts. I really can't. Like I get home and anytime I try to come back to bed and my husband's in the bed and my dog's here, I just cannot fall back asleep. I get so hyper and then I end up getting back up anyway. So I didn't even bother going back to bed today. I just got up. I read my book, had breakfast. I waited for my husband to get up and make coffee because I have no idea how to make coffee but I love coffee. I really do need to learn how to make coffee. My week before work has gone well. My husband and I just got back from a vacation, our first vacation as a couple, as a married couple, as a couple in general. We have never been away together outside of this vacation. We didn't even go on a honeymoon after we were married. So this trip was very special and very nice. And we went to these little cabins called Prunella in Quebec. And it was just this really peaceful, quiet, serene experience. We were in the middle of a forest. There were fairy lights in the backyard. There was tons of snow. There was this wood burning fireplace. I think that's what they're called, where you have to like light the fire yourself. Um, That was interesting. We've never had to do that before, but it was quite the experience and quite the couple skill building, relationship building task. It's not easy and the fire does not last very long. You would be surprised at how fast a log, a thick log can burn through. We also forgot to turn the heat on. We didn't realize there was a heater outside of this wood burning fireplace. We thought the fireplace was the only source of heat and our logs were damp the first night. So the fire wasn't catching and it was negative 14 outside. So we were like freezing in this cabin the first night because we were too stupid to see the propane heater at the front door of this cabin. It was it was quite an experience. But after we got all that sorted out, it was really good. We spent our days reading and playing Jenga and playing the R Moments card game, which if you're married, that card game is so good. It really just invokes conversations, which is really great. One of the other things we did together that was just really, really awesome was we did our Bible studies together. And my husband and I, we don't do like the same book of the Bible or the same Bible study. He's doing his own thing. I'm doing my own thing, but we're doing it together at the same time. And typically when we do it together, we get into some really great conversations. We get into some really great godly discussions about what we're learning, about what we're reading. And one of the things that happened, it was such a God moment because the odds of this happening were just not great, but it was so cool to see how God worked and how God moved and how God led that discussion. So we were reading in different books of the Bible and we've been reading different devotionals. I'm reading currently Radiate by Cleary Cherry Reeves and he's reading a different devotional. I forget what it's called. He's about 10 days behind in his devotional. Two different authors, two different books. The context of the devotionals were the exact same. We were reading each other's devotionals to each other. And we're like, this is really good. And the context and the the topic of conversation in these devotionals were the exact same. 
And it just led to such a great discussion, even though my husband was further behind in his devotional and he theoretically shouldn't have been even reading the devotional that day. That's such a God moment, how God used that and led our discussion and our conversation. And just, I don't know, I love when God moves like that, when God curates these conversations and just builds up your faith even more, both as an individual and as a couple. It's just awesome to see how God works like that. But anyways, I will read you the devotional I read later on in this episode, but let's get into the topic of conversation for this episode today. If you haven't already guessed by the title, we are going to be talking about who are you following and what it means to follow Jesus. Today's scripture is Matthew 4, 18 to 20, and it says this, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. When we think about the term follow, I don't know about you, but my mind goes straight to social media and hitting that follow button. As much as we don't want to think about it, and as much as we don't want to admit it, we are ensnared by a society who is constantly being shaped and molded by what we see on our screens. We are so easily transfixed by the latest trends, by the most popular celebrities, or the biggest influencers on the internet that we want to be like them. When we follow somebody, it's because we like the way they're living their lifestyle. We like their aesthetic. We like their looks. We want to essentially be like them. And as as much as the world screams individuality, uniqueness, and authenticity, we are anything but. We are all the same. We are all influenced by something. We are all following something. I've been reading this book lately called Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It has been such a good book. And if you have not read it, I really, really recommend it because it is such an eye-opener and it really will transform the way you view following Christ and what it means to be a Christian. But I just want to read to you a few little snippets from this book that really had me thinking and had me wondering, like, am I actually following Jesus or what else am I following in his place? It says, who are you following? Everybody is following somebody or at least something. Put another way, we're all disciples. The question isn't, am I a disciple? It's who or what am I a disciple of? We want so badly to believe that we, and we alone, plot our course, captain our ship, control our destiny. We aspire to lead, not to follow. But question, how is that working out for you? Honestly, not great, because at the core of our being, we probably don't even know who we are. We are constantly being influenced by something. We are constantly being transfixed by something, like I mentioned earlier. We are always following somebody or something. For those of us who desire to follow Jesus, here is the reality we must turn and face. If we are not being intentionally formed by Jesus himself, then it's highly likely we are being unintentionally formed by someone or something else. So again, who are you following? The deeper question here is, in whom are you trusting? Who or what do you put your faith in to show you the way to the life you desire? It's my conviction that contrary to what we hear, living by faith isn't a Christian thing or even a religious thing. It's a human thing. We all live by faith. The question isn't, am I going to believe? It's who or what am I going to believe in? Who or what am I going to entrust my life to? Do I really want to trust myself or any other human for that matter? It's only human to be drawn to someone, a celebrity or guru or historical figure, 
and to desire to become like them. This is part of how God wired us to grow. We all have an ideal life we aspire to, and when we find a person or idea system that seems to embody what we want, we follow them. We put our trust in them, or in more Christian language we believe. So when we think about this concept of following something, it is in our human nature to have faith in something. It is in our human nature to believe in something. It is in our human nature to follow something. And as a Christian, we should only be following Jesus. We cannot serve two masters at once. Matthew 6 verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, this goes for anything, not just money. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot follow Jesus and try to embody him and then follow somebody else, follow some worldly figure, a sinful human being just like ourselves and aspire to be like them. Think about it for a second. Like why out of everyone you can follow, why would you follow anyone but Jesus? Why would you follow anyone but the perfect human being? Why would you aspire to be anybody else? When you put your faith in another sinful human being, when you put your faith in these idols and celebrities and influencers, myself included, you are setting yourself up for disappointment because we fail. We mess up. We are not perfect. We are not the perfect embodiment of love. We can strive to be that. We can strive to be like Jesus, but most of us don't even come close. We will never come close. And that's just the reality of the situation. So out of everything and everyone that you can follow, why would you follow anybody else but Jesus? So what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means practicing the way. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. So to follow Jesus is to practice being like Jesus. To follow Jesus is to become his apprentice, is to organize your life around these three driving goals. This also comes from the book, Practicing the Way. The first goal is to be with Jesus. The second goal is to become like him. And the third goal is to do as he did. The third one might intimidate us a little. How are we supposed to do as Jesus did? He did miracles. He healed people. He performed all these different things. How are we supposed to live up to that? How are we supposed to do as he did? Jesus literally gave us a guideline to live as he lived and to love as he loved. It is written in the pages of the New Testament. Our instructions lie there. There is no question that Jesus is not the answer to. There is no question that cannot be answered within the Bible, within the context of the Bible, within the pages of the Bible, within the words of Jesus. He has given us the answers and the blueprint to live as he lived, to love as he loved, the blueprint to following him. The three driving goals to following Jesus is to one, be with Jesus, two, become like him, and three, do as he did. Do you know the disciples followed Jesus? They did. They followed him both physically, spiritually, and in every other way they could follow him. This doesn't mean they were perfect at it, but they strived to. The disciples walked with Jesus from city to city. They observed and learned from him. They applied the truths they learned into their own ministries. They went from city to city after Jesus left preaching the gospel and preaching the good news, just like Jesus had taught them to do. To follow Jesus is to become like him. This is something that is so not easy for us. Becoming like Jesus seems impossible. And it is. It is impossible. But we can strive to become like him. Following Jesus entails both obeying his teachings, that is within the pages of the New Testament, and imitating his example. It is a call to lose your life 
die to yourself daily and find new life in him. It means we apply the truths that we learn from his word into our everyday life and live as if Jesus walked beside us in person. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Something that I'm really trying to work on this year is to follow Jesus the best I can, to follow his example, to love as he loved. And you know, Jesus is love. So that saying is going to come up a lot, to love as he loved. He loved everybody. He didn't discriminate. He didn't look at somebody and be like, mm, they don't deserve my love. They don't deserve kindness. They don't deserve respect. They don't deserve to know about me. They aren't good enough for heaven. That is the opposite of who Jesus is. Back in Jesus's time, when you think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and everything like that, the Pharisees or the rabbis of Jesus's time only took the best of the best. There was three stages to becoming an apprentice or a disciple of one of these rabbis. And basically throughout these different stages, they would wean off the not as smart ones, only the best of the best were able to become disciples of these rabbis. The book Practicing the Way says, like an elite university today, rabbis were highly selective about whom they accepted as students because the quality of the students reflected on the quality of the teacher. As a rule, a rabbi would never risk rejection. He would do the rejecting. It's absolutely crazy that, you know, you don't have to be special to follow Jesus. Jesus calls everybody. So following Jesus is to be like him, is to pick up your cross and follow him. The term Christian in its most basic definition is someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know, we've talked about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, how it is to become like him, embody his essence, embody who he is and do as he did, to be with him, to become like him and to do as he did. And I think over the years or probably for a long time, people have kind of diminished the term of being a Christian and what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian means to follow Jesus. It's not to just follow behind him and be like, okay, hi, like I'm following behind you and just kind of watching and not doing anything about it. To follow him is so much more than just simply following behind him. It's more than just having a superficial faith. It isn't about penciling in Jesus for 15 minutes in your morning and thinking that's it and then continuing on throughout your day doing whatever it is you want to do, not really taking in anything you learned or anything you read. It's not about waking up early, making a healthy breakfast, making that healthy smoothie that you saw online. It's not about doing the best skincare with all the expensive products. It's not about working out. It's not about making that aesthetic coffee. To follow Jesus is not about all these holy girl habits. People have started making Jesus a trend and the true meaning of following Jesus has been lost through the lens of an aesthetic life. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus couldn't care less about what your aesthetic is. He couldn't care less if you got the pretty Bible. He could not care less if you got the highlighters. He could not care less if you woke up early. Some of us work overnights. Some of us work evening shifts and have to get that full eight hour of sleep. Some of us can't wake up at 5 a.m. Jesus couldn't care less. What Jesus does care about is your heart. What Jesus does care about is how you are becoming refined, how you are being spiritually fed. If you're taking in what you're learning, if you're becoming like him, if you're doing as he did, if you are loving your neighbor as yourself, if you are loving your enemies, if you're actually taking time to spend with him and not just being like, oh, I've got 15 free minutes. I guess I can pencil Jesus in. That's not what following Jesus means. Yes, it's good to get in the word and yes, do it when you can. But if that's the only time you're 
you're penciling in to follow Jesus, you need to reevaluate. And don't get me wrong, I was guilty of this too. I, I still can be guilty of it. This is what this book is teaching me. This is what the word is teaching me. This is what Jesus is teaching me. He's refining me and teaching me what it means to truly follow him and what it means to be a Christian. It's not simply reading the word. It's not going to church and worshiping and doing whatever you want the rest of the week. It's about having that Monday morning faith. It's about doing your best to love others the best you can in the way Jesus taught you to love. And it's about so much more. Going back to how Jesus could not care less about what your aesthetic is, 1 Peter 3, 3, 4 says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. A lot of people misinterpret this verse saying, oh, you can't wear jewelry, you can't wear nice clothes and all these different things. That's not what Peter is saying. Peter is not prohibiting these things and saying these things are wrong. He's saying, if you are more concerned about all these things rather than what God finds beautiful or over your relationship with God, then that's when it becomes a problem. That's when it becomes an idol. Peter warns about being more concerned over your personal appearance rather than your actual character. So don't be worried about what you look like. Don't be worried about what your aesthetic is. Don't try to copy all the different lifestyles of different Christian influencers. That might not work for you. That might not benefit your relationship with God. And that might not make you grow spiritually. Yes, it's good to live a healthy lifestyle. Following Jesus and being a Christian is so much more than that. Following Jesus is to abide in Jesus. The definition of abiding is to learn, to observe, to dwell and to become. So what does this mean for us as followers of Jesus? It means if we follow Jesus, we are to abide in Jesus. We are to learn from him. We are to observe him. We are to dwell in him, and we are to become like him. There is no better comfort than dwelling in the presence of Jesus. There is no better comfort, my friends. Like There is absolutely nothing in this world that can comfort you like Jesus can comfort you. There is nothing in this world that can transform you like the sacrifice of Jesus can transform you, like the new life you can find in Jesus can transform you and refine you and reform you and quite literally take you from one person to a completely different person pretty much instantly. And yeah, I know learning and observing Jesus isn't the same today as it was when the disciples were able to do it, but we have the blueprint. We have the words of Jesus himself written in a book that we can access anytime we want. We have instructions on how to follow Jesus, on how to live a good Christian life and how to be like him. In order for Peter and Andrew to follow Jesus, what did they have to do? If you look back to Matthew 4 verses 19 to 20, it says, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. They had to drop their nets. They left behind their whole lives. They left behind their jobs. They left behind their family. They left behind everything at once to follow Jesus. And you don't have to be the best person ever to follow Jesus. Referencing the book, Practicing My Way Again, Jesus would regularly stand in front of large crowds and make this invitation. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Before we talked about how the rabbis in Jesus's time only picked the best and the brightest students to be able to apprentice under them and to become rabbis themselves, but not Jesus. 
Jesus didn't discriminate and say anyone was too stupid or not smart enough or not pretty enough or not, you know, bold enough to be a disciple of his. He said, whoever, going back to the book, practicing the way, it says whoever and whoever meant whoever, fisherman, zealot, tax collector, even betrayer, Torah devotee or sex worker, religious bigot or woman caught in the act of adultery, intellectual elite or blind beggar on the side of the road. Jesus invited all to apprentice under him into life in the kingdom of God. And nothing's changed over time. We're all still invited, no matter who we are or what we've done, oppressed or oppressor, upwardly mobile or entrenched in poverty, polymath or high school dropout, health nut or addict, mentally sound or not, virgin or sexually promiscuous, married, divorced or divorced again, hyper-religious or fallen away, full of faith or racked by doubt. Whoever means whoever. Simon and Andrew were fishermen. Think about that for a second. This means they didn't make it into an apprenticeship program. They weren't the best of the best. They were the ones who would have been cut the first chance the rabbis could cut them if they enrolled in the apprenticeship program to be a rabbi. But Jesus invited them to become his apprentices. Before they believed in Jesus, he believed in them. We talk a lot about the call to believe in Jesus, to put your trust and confidence in him to lead you to life. This is good and fitting, but it must also be said that Jesus believes in you. He believes that you can become his apprentice starting right where you are. You can follow him into a life in the kingdom that fulfills your deepest desires. He believes that you can live under the loving gaze of the Father. You can also become the kind of person who is like the Father, loving and joyful and full of peace, patience, and kindness. You can grow into a person of happiness, even in times of great suffering, the kind of person who is not afraid of suffering or even of death, who is free of the emotional need for things to go your own way. You can fulfill your purpose. You can even learn to do many of the incredible things Jesus did to see the signs of his kingdom manifest in your ordinary life. It's possible, all of it, but it's not inevitable. It won't just happen by chance. There are no accidental saints. You can't just slip up your hand at the end of a sermon. It's a high bar of entry. It will require you to reorder your entire life around following Jesus as your undisputed top priority over your job, your money, your reputation, over everything. Yet all these things will find their rightful place once integrated into a life of apprenticeship. This life can be your life. All you have to do is let go of your nets. Just like Peter and Andrew dropped their nets and followed Jesus immediately, we also need to drop whatever nets we have in our hands so that we are able to follow Jesus as well. So the question I'm going to ask you is, what nets do you have to let go of in order to be able to follow Jesus? And are you willing to drop them to do so? Before we end our time together, I want to read the devotional that my husband and I read together. Well, I read to him. It's called Nothing Before Him, and it goes into Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. When we hear the word idol, we often imagine some tiki-like statue, right? Or when we think of it in a spiritual sense, we assume it has to be something really big and invasive or tangible. However, an idol simply means anything that is causing distance between us and Jesus. This can manifest itself as an addiction or stronghold or a struggle with worry, a constant preoccupation 
obligation with money or even something good like serving others. The act itself is not what deems it an idol. It is the attention we give it that robs us of our time with Jesus that makes it so. Jesus mourns our separation from him. Do we truly understand that? While he hates that these idols often stem from pride, fear, or insecurity, he is most saddened by the fact that they are caused by us reaching for life outside of him. His willingness to abolish anything that steals our focus affirms his crazy love for us because he knows that the peace, adventure, joy, and abundance we are searching for can only be discovered when pursuing him. He will often allow us to get to the end of ourselves and our frivolous pursuits so that we see he really is the only source of good things. To see the jealousy of God any other way than through the avenue of love is to assume that there is anything better than him. Let me explain. If we assume his jealousy is because he fears competition, then we are acting as though there is anything that can compete. If we presume that he craves our attention to solidify his throne, then we do not have a rightful view of God. He does not need us. We need him. Therefore, his preservation of our souls can only be for our protection and out of his love. His jealousy for our attention is truly another form of grace, as it vigorously fights for us to realize that apart from him, our feelings of emptiness will persist. All of this should not scare us or shame us, but rather lead us right back to him. The greatest wisdom we show is through the act of repentance, the revelation of what is true, the discipline of turning around, and the grace of walking up to the front door of our Father's house. We no longer have to wait in rebellion, barefoot and cold, wondering if we belong inside. We were created for this moment. This is our house because we are his children. He was just yearning for us to walk in our God-given identity. That is so good. That is so good. Like God wants to be the center of our lives. Jesus wants to be the center of our lives and Jesus should be the center of our lives. We cannot follow Jesus and follow something else. And I hope this episode today kind of clarified that for you. But if you haven't gotten the book Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer, I really, really highly recommend it. It's been such a blessing in my life and I've only been reading it for a few days. There's so much more I have to read of this book but it has been so good and it's absolutely transforming the way that I follow Jesus. So please get it. But before we end our time together, I just want to pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving us the blueprint to be able to practice the way, to be able to follow you, to be able to love like you loved and to be able to do as you did, God. Lord, we pray that as we go throughout our week that we follow you more intentionally that we truly know what it means to be a Christian and to follow you and to replace whatever superficial faith we may have with the act of intentionally following you. Lord, I pray that we dig deeper into your word this week. Lord, I pray that we dig deeper into prayer with you this week and communication with you. God, let us just love as you have loved and do as you did and be with you and to abide in you. Help us to have a heart that wants to, God, that wants to abide in you, that wants to follow you. Help us to cut out anything that is tearing us away from Jesus. Help us to drop the nets that we are gripping onto for dear life. Help us drop those so we are able to fully follow your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on another episode of the Lay Down Podcast. I pray that no matter what you're facing this week, that you just lay it down at his feet. God bless you all. I love you all. And until next time.
If you're still here and haven't had enough of the Lay It Down podcast, you can follow at Her Faithful Life on Instagram and TikTok for more daily godly encouragement. If you love the podcast, please leave a five-star review as this really helps us out. God bless and I'll see you next time.